This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello, welcome to Talking Dirty episode 10 over at East Rustenold Vicarage in so many shades of beautiful denim. We have Alan Edward <laughs> Herbert Gray, our happy and extremely handsome horticulturalist. And over in Cambridgeshire, dressed in um, a gorgeous, gorgeous green, we have Thordis <laughs> Maria. I've forgotten the name. Sophia. Friedrichson. Gosh, I mean, I, you know, I, it's a wonder I don't forget my own names because I can't remember two, more than two words to, str to string together today. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I do love the anarchy of the start of the episode. Um, <laughs> and hiding behind the usual mystery window, we have this week's special guest. So on my drum roll, who's behind the window today? Hello. <laughs> it's Margaret Hope. Do you have a middle name, Margaret? I have two. Good. Join um, the club. <laughs> so I am Margaret Eugenia Irene Hope. How lovely. Eugenia. Wow. Yes. Love it. Any stories behind those names? Why did you get such um, a I can't remember. Name? I can't remember why I'm Eugenia, but I know I'm Irene after my maternal grandma. Oh, yeah, mine, mine have, uh, have grandmother references. Surprisingly, mine don't. They have grandfather references because they oh. have the names of both my grandfathers, Edward and Herbert. Now, Margaret, you have, um, well, you're a fabulous artist. You've joined us because we've known you for years in Norfolk's gardening world. You're a great gardener, I think a former fashion designer as well, and uh, a really inspiring artist. So tell us a bit about you. Well, I studied at London College of Fashion. I um, have worked in the industry for about 35 years, various roles, um, and then just decided that we'd leave London and move to Bedfordshire, and then we moved to Norfolk. So I, um, my mother was a great gardener, and I just used to despair when I couldn't get her on the phone. And I'd just say, where were you in the garden? I think, what is it with this woman in the garden? And I've become my mother. So I'm, my daughter rings me, but unfortunately for me, I've got my phone in my pocket. And, um, you know, I usually I can, um, I can speak to her. But she always says, let me guess, you're in the garden. So, yeah. when, did, when did the bug really take hold? Um, I think when we moved to Bedfordshire and I wasn't working full time anymore. And um, we were fortunate that we had a, a neighbour whose son was a landscape designer. And he came in and sort of got our garden sorted out for us. And um, then, of course, the big reveal was when we used to holiday in Norfolk. And I made this sort of, let me say, pilgrimage to Allen. And that was the start of it. I've never turned back. <laughs> so um, East Ruston, just, we just kept visiting and visiting until we moved to Norfolk. And um, that was it, really. Did you know that, Alan? Um, not really, no. I mean, I did. I, I got to know <laughs> Margaret really well because um, Margaret is the kind of lady, she's a very warm person. Um, I know you're listening and I know you can see me, but I, <laughs> I, I, 
she's a very warm person. And we kind of clicked together when we started talking. Um, and I always complimented her on her dress because it was absolutely fabulous. And she'd say, well, these came from Primarche, darling. Well, I mean, because they didn't probably, but that's what she told me. <laughs> Um, and she always looked so well turned out and lovely. And then I discovered that she was an artist as well. Um, and she had an exhibition here in the garden in one of our uh, outbuildings. Um, she very kindly gave me a piece of her art, which today hangs in my back hallway. Um, how would you describe it, Margaret? Because I find it very difficult because it's a combination of copper wire, ceramics and beads. Um, I'd just say that they're sculptural wall hangings. They're yes. pretty much textured clay rolled out and um, I only make wall hangings and they have um, it's basically fabric in clay so although I don't design garments anymore I'm quite happy with clay and um, I didn't want to make pots anymore or I just thought I can't do anything with pots with wall hangings you can um, you can do anything and then I just buy I'm looking at one now I buy um, all sorts of beads and um, all necklaces, bracelets. Embellishments. And yes, and then I put them together with copper wire. And Alan's is, well, it was supposed to be for his potting shed. It was around the time that you were just getting your potting shed sorted out. I know, I liked it too much to put it in the potting shed. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got little bits of everything to do with him and Graham in that piece, I think. So we did, did I put some coins in there because they, I knew there was being money spent. I think so. <laughs> After all so, the time. It's, it's so interesting think, that you say it's like a piece of draped fabric, because it is, but um, I yeah. wouldn't want to wear it because I think it might chafe. <laughs> yes, body armour. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate that I can just transfer sort of what I love to do into something else. So although now it's suffering because, of course, I'm in the garden. <laughs> so I'm not doing very much clay work but I think when the winter comes I'll probably do I'll start again. Clearly fashion is a huge influence in your art but do you ever find that the time in the garden inspires you if not necessarily in the form of your art but maybe in the the kind of colours or just sort of sparking something? Oh yeah because when we um we left Bedfordshire and went went to Norfolk we we started with a half acre garden and I mean I just was lost and I'd buy one thing here, one thing there. And I just thought, I'm never going to get a grip of this. So I started going to Alan's um, uh, garden tours. And one of the things that he actually said that stuck with me is that it's all about volume. There is no point buying one thing, which was heaven to me. <laughs> and you just learn that you actually, if you're going to make an impact, you've got to buy a few. So what I did, so this is the fashion side. I thought, well, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'll do everything by colour. And it'll either work or it won't. And that way I could put the plants that I wanted together and they wouldn't look odd because they were pretty much the same colour. And um, of course, then you're just grateful. You know, if you can find something in white that's going to keep flowering, great, blue, yellow, orange, dark. I had a dark leafed uh, garden as well. And then, of course, you know, you're very grateful to begin with. And then, of course, you start to get picky. And um, I moved on from um, it being enough that it was colour. It then had to be texture. So then I would only want certain things if they looked a particular way. So it just goes, I mean, Alan will say, it just goes on and on. You don't stop. It just gets worse. The addiction gets worse. So, um, yeah, I, gardening by colour was very, very helpful. Um, and also, as I say, gar uh, the garden tour at Alan's were just 
inspirational. So um, he's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> I'm still doing them, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never heard it described that way, but it's so right that when you first get into gardening, you you look at it in com with completely different eyes to when you're then yeah. five, ten years in. And you're right, you start off just grateful that things grow, that things flower, and then you get pickier and pickier and you yeah. want more and more specific things. You want longer seasons of interest. Um, it, yeah, I've, I've, it's, that's, a, that's a very insightful comment. Yeah. And then you get ruthless. <laughs> well, it's, all part, it's all part of the growing process, I think. I don't mean growing yeah. plants, but the growing of your mind. Yeah. Um, and how you see things and how you want to see things and how you want things to, to look. It's a very personal thing. And I mean, you get to the stage like I'm at the stage now where, well, if you don't like it, I don't care. It's my garden. I'll do what I want. It pleases me. Yeah. Um, and it, But you can't please everybody. But as long as you can do that, I think, you know, your heart and soul will be in it and you'll just, in, just adore it and love it. You're right about the ruthless stage as well, because I, I spent a long time being and I st I'm still still sort of in the transitional phase, but a long time pingling about and thinking, oh, I don't want to cut that back. And now things kind of get hoiked out and chopped back. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing I wish I'd done earlier this year. There's a, there's a chap called Jack Wallington and I th he's a garden designer and he lives in, I think, Clapham in London. And I often see his posts on Twitter and stuff like that. And he posted, I think, probably about the middle of, to end of June. Now it's time to get your snips out and snip back all your salvias, shrubby salvias. And I looked at mine and I thought, no, I can't do it. Now I wish I had. Because as he says, you know, they, you get a resurgence of new growth and you get fresh flowers and all the rest of it. So it's a jolly good tip. Well, at least yeah. that gives us all hope that we're, you know, even Alan Gray isn't 100% ruthless all the time in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> now, Margaret, we love it. We love it when our guests uh, bring show and tell. And I think somewhere around you, you've got one or two things to show off. Well, there, uh, this is a story. Of course, it has to relate to Alan. <laughs> so I don't know if you can see it. I mean, this is just a tiny, tiny cutting. And this is Persicaria Purple Fantasy. And I, I didn't know Alan very, very well, but I'd been to a um, Gardener's World show and saw this persicaria and um, dithered a bit. And then by the time I'd made up my mind, it had sold out. I came home, went through the internet, couldn't find it anywhere. So I thought I'll send a little note to Alan, <laughs> who very kindly answered. And his, his first response to me, never heard of it. <laughs> but he didn't give up. And I remember Alan, that you actually got some from Holland. Yeah in the end i can't remember how long ago it was it's got to be maybe eight years oh could be easily yeah yeah and it's just one of those plants that is just there's just something about it i mean i love persicaris anyway because i like the texture but this part it took me ages to work out that you could propagate it and i remember coming to alan's he said oh, i've got one put to one side for you and um he did and i bought it and then I remember going back to his garden. It was massive. He put, he put it in the ground. It was absolutely massive. And I thought, oh, my goodness me. Anyway, it has proved to be one of those plants. You can just take the tiniest little snip of it and put it in the ground. And it just goes crazy. And we had a plant sale at the church. And I managed to sort of get a load of these together. And I mean, they were going like hotcakes. So this is my um, Allen plant. Well, I have to say, Margaret, that since, since those early days when we didn't have Persicaries, there's several Purple Fantasy, Red Dragon, or lots of others as well. Yeah. 
um, but they are such good doers. Now they're everywhere like a rash. I mean, they spread incontinently almost. Exactly. Um, and they are very, very easy to propagate and they are such lovely plants, but it is one plant that you have to cut back because it grows so luxuriantly and you really, to get the best foliage, you can cut it back as many as two or even three times in a season. Yeah. Yeah, and I, do, I think it takes about um, possibly about two weeks for it to pop through. I mean, I literally just put the roots in yeah. and um, it works every time. But yeah. I tell you, at our plant cell, because I managed to get some quite big in a pot, they were just like flying. I thought, great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think people could see from your show and tell and we'll, we'll get some pictures on the, the, the video version. But the... The, the foliage, you talk about texture, but Alan, you said there are, there are several different types of persicaria now, and they, they bring all these very exciting splashes on their leaves. Yeah. Well, they're not, they're not really a flowering plant. They have little white no. flowers, um, but, but they're of no consequence at all. You really do grow them for, for their leaves and their shape, um, and they're just so exciting. And, you know, if you've got a gappy garden, buy a half a dozen of these, split them in half and pop them through, and... and it, you know, there, there goes another piece of advice for, uh, similar to what Margaret said. If you put, if you've got a gap, few gaps in your new garden or something and you put that through the garden, it just unifies everything and brings it all together. But the only thing is you're going to have to watch out for is that it doesn't take over. It, <laughs> well, that's right. Well, this, this year, I mean, I'm not a keen fan of marigolds, but I've become keen because they're very good. I planted up a border with um, marigolds, red dragon and a cosmos xanthos which i've seen in your garden yeah. that lemon and when you get the marigold next to the foliage of the um cosmos and then you've got that red dragon in the background it was unbelievable and then they're not i mean I, I do like all of them but i mean together that um the foliage of the cosmos really softened the harshness what what i think is harshness of the marigolds um, because they're just useful plants. They're just wonderful for colour, aren't they? No, were they sort of French marigolds or African or that sort of thing? Um, no, they were, fr they were the French ones. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing about French marigolds is everybody sort of said, oh, they're dreadful common things, because they're one of the first things that the garden centres sell even before the frosts are finished, because they're yeah. very easy to grow and all the rest of it. Um, but they are one of the longest flowering annu annuals. Um, and one I discovered a few years ago is called, um, I think it's, oh, Constance, K-O-N-S-T-A-N-C-E. And Constance is an orange marigold, but it's kind of sort of soft orange with a bit of, a bit of uh, mahogany in there. But the great mm. thing about it is it will flower right up until the end of November if you've got the space for it. And it, it just gives that long season of colour. So if you don't get bored with it, just enjoy it. Yeah. You make another excellent point, Margaret, which is some plants you might not necessarily adore on their own but in combination with something else, it is often the planting combinations that allow plants to really sing and shine. That's it. Now you also have, I think you've got secondary show and tell. You might be our first <laughs> guest to bring more than one show and tell to share. Well, I am, um, this sounds like um, a, an Alan Gray appreciation show, but <laughs> that's fine. long ago. Keep going, Margaret, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when you did a, a plant arrangement, and I think it was below the Brigantia, and it was a, a euphorbia, and I didn't believe it was a euphorbia, and I think, it, is it called Silver Fog? No, it's called Diamond Frost. Oh, right. Well, my friend who sent them said that they were Silver Fog. It could be, because somebody could well have renamed that plant. Ah, um, 
changed? Well, at the beginning, we are, obviously we're growing, growing like crazy. And I've got a friend in London and um, I thought I'd give her a surprise. So I sent her what I call joy in a box. So I sent her some little tiny seedlings of um, cosmos, other little things all wrapped up in a tiny little box. And I sent her a text that I've sent you joy in a box. And anyway, that she received them and that was great. And then I got a text from her, oh, probably about a month ago. And she said, you've got your own joy in a box coming. And this was my joy in a box. And they were tiny. They had about three leaves. But she didn't tell me what they were. And I'm absolutely in love with these because I've got them out, out at the front. So somehow we've been able to sort of transmit to each other. And I mean, when they were tiny, they didn't have any flowers on. And I said, Jill, are these um, euphorbias? And she said, yes. So I'm going to nurture them like crazy so that I can have them running right the way along the front garden in a narrow border next year. So, yeah, I, I've been very fortunate. I think, I, think, I think that is the most charming thing that you've said um, so far, really, because I think the phrase joy in a box should be trans <laughs> transmitted to everybody and all gardeners could send fellow gardeners joy in a box. I think it's yeah. absolutely lovely. Well, I was missing her and, you know, we, we always talk garden. We've been friends for... 30 odd years more yeah. than that and um it's just lovely and of course her cosmos are like six foot tall nearly that i sent her which i'd grown from seed and um and i've got these little babies so yeah i'm i'm really pleased with them it was funny when i was missing alan during lockdown and we were talking quite a lot but i attempted to send alan uh, joy in an envelope but actually i just sent you great annoyance of envelope <laughs> because he said um I think really you were after the yellow form of the Chilean glory vine. Yes. Uh, and I didn't have any of that, but I did have home collected seed of the, the red version with a little kind of yellow uh, end to the tube. And I thought, well, I'll just send him some seeds. But I was concerned about, you know, COVID and licking the envelope and stuff. And I didn't want to sellotape it up in case it ripped or whatever. So I just, I thought, well, it's an envelope within an envelope. What could possibly go wrong? And the next thing, Alan <laughs> opens his envelope at East Ruston Old Vicarage and there's like an explosion wow. of little Ekramacarpus seeds flying all over the office. <laughs> I'm sure they were well received, weren't they, Alan? Yeah, they were. And I did, I did, I did manage to germinate some, so that was okay. Oh, excellent. Now, um, Margaret, the other thing we like to do with our guests, aside from show and tell, is share some Flomo. My Flomo's actually, it's been inspired by something I've grown this year. And for anyone who doesn't know, Flomo is that kind of fear of missing out you get about a plant you spotted in someone's garden, on social media, in a magazine, and you just really want to grow it. Well, I grew a, a cal is it Calistaphus? Calistaphus? Calistaphus. Calistaphus. <laughs> Basically, the annual aster. I had never heard of them before, um, but I saw them in the Chilton Seed Catalogue. And because we all know I'm a sucker for oranges and apricots and blushing shades. So I thought I've got to grow this, um, I think it was king size apricot. I only kind of, I think I dropped the seed tray and killed off several because I'm butterfingers. But I got one really strong plant and it's come into flower it is to die for. The blooms last for ages. They kind of age and get this like antique browning to the edges of the petals. And they start this sort of very fresh lemon and then fade through this like Dulux colour chart of lemons and, and apricots. Um, and then I realised there are other Callistophuses out there and I must grow many more next year. So that's my Flomo. All of the Callistophuses I can get my hands on. 
Were they from the Japanese cut flower range? Possibly. There's, there's a king size range and I chose the apricot one. I assume there are other king, there's a king size series. I have spotted there is some sort of Duchess series or Duchesse. So I think Duchess apricot is, is very yeah. high on my wish list for next year, but there are purples and have, other tones. They used to have in Chilton Seeds, they used to have a list of cut, Japanese style cut flowers and they, were, they used to have celosias, which is known as coxcombs in, in England and things like that. Um, and there was a giant aster in there, I remember, that um, they used just primarily as a cut flower. I mean, I just had never heard of them before, but they're these fabulous, chrysanthemum sort of pom-poms and they I haven't yeah. cut any because I've only got one plant and uh, I'm quite enjoying looking at them on the patio but they look like they make really fabulous cut flowers. You thought as you know better than that, it's Patio darling, Patio. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my Flomo. Uh, Margaret, what is yours? Well my Flomo is a plant that I have grown before and was introduced to me by my garden neighbour when I lived in Conham and it is Rachinus um, communis, which is the tropical castor oil. Um, we have got a bed here, which is called the hot bed. And I've never been keen on sort of yellows, particularly in the garden, but I've grown to love them. So we've got- You're wearing it. Is... <laughs> Chartreuse, if you don't mind, Alan, Chartreuse. Um... It's my kind of yellow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got yellow, red, orange, anything of that, that hue, and the rechinus is missing. It should, it's, um, it's like a hand, isn't it, Alan? I didn't yes. see any in your garden this week when I went to... When I we went have around. some in the, in, the, in the exotic garden, but I think they went in very late, so they may have got overtaken yeah. by other plants. But I mean, going back to rechinus, rechinus, call it what you will, um, it is the annual castor oil plant. And the best variety, I think, well, there's several varieties. I mean, some of them grow taller than others, but the one that I like best of all is called Carmen Cheetah. And Carmen oh, right. Cheetah has these huge maple-like leaves, um, red stems, and the most really, really piercing red um, seed capsules. And they're absolutely charming. And they're, they're, I mean, the, the longer the season progresses, the better they get. So it's one of those plants that instead of going over in the autumn, it just gets better and better and better. It's a lovely annual, and it's relatively easy from seed. And you have these seeds, Alan, do you? Yeah. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at the end of the season. Um, okay. So that, that's um, one of them. And the other one, when you asked me what I might like, I'd forgotten that I'd like it. And I remembered. <laughs> and it will go beautifully with this, um, with the uh, silver fog, the euphorbia at the front is African bride. It's a nigella, which is white with a very, very dark eye. And I'd forgotten that I wanted it. And thank you for reminding me that I wanted it. So next year, I'm hoping that I'll have that. So I'll have a whole row of different whites and textures and all sorts of frilliness at the front of the house. So those are my two. That look absolutely lovely. Do you know, people, people think of Nigella and they, you know, they, they may just think of one type, but there has been, I, I don't know when the breeding work was done, but you can get hold of so many different types. I absolutely love Nigella Hispanica, um, which is a kind of a bit darker than that, that paler blue of the, the standard Nigella. And I mean, African Bride is a real stunner. Great source of seeds of Nigella is Derry Watkins' special plants because she uh -huh. actually was on Twitter, had a new one this year, even to her. And I mean, she's been growing plants for years and years and years, um, which has got piercing blue flowers. I don't know the name of it, but she was growing it for the first time. So we might possibly see that on her seed list. Oh, 
exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got two Flomos for the price of one with Margaret. Alan Gray, <laughs> what's your Flomo this week? Well, my Flomo is a plant that I've actually just got, but I didn't know I was going to get it because um, a couple of weeks ago we had, on oh no, last Saturday in that we had our garden event here in Plant Fair, and um, Bob Brown arrived, and, and um, amongst the plants he was selling was something called Polya japonica. Now, I'd never heard of Polya japonica, but Polya japonica is a shade lover, and there's an area of the garden I'm planting that is in quite dense shade at the moment. I'm going to less, lessen the shade this winter by taking some branches uh, above this area out. Um, but I, this plant came along and I thought, oh, I must try this in shade. It has walls of green leaves, you know, sort of round, around the stem, upright panicles of small white flowers. They're not showy, they're very discreet and rather good taste, I have to say. And these, <laughs> these flowers are followed by dark blue berries which are interesting and they're, I mean, they're very shiny. They're like dark blue porcelain berries and they look absolutely lovely. And I was planting these two plants the other day and I noticed that there's roots going or shoots going round and round the pot. And I thought, this is a thug, be sure you <laughs> want it. But I think that possibly in somewhere where it's dense shade, a thug can be useful mm. um, and they can colonize areas like that. And, you know, you, I can ha have early spring bulbs coming through it and uh, just it's just going to be lovely. So I'm thrilled with it. Polya japonica, uh, denoting, of course, that it comes from Japan. It's funny you should mention your plant fair because I basically walked around it thinking I am just inundated with Flomo. It was like a wave, a tidal <laughs> wave of Flomo just washing over me. And I didn't even get the chance to go around your garden. And perhaps the, the greater sorrow is that I was there helping my mum out on her Sprig Art Studio stall. Quick plug, go check out her Etsy. Um, but the car was absolutely full of stock. So there was literally no room for plants. And to add insult to injury, Monk Silver Nursery had um, chrysanthemum orange, the, the Dixter, Dixter orange that you told me I needed to get uh, at, in last week's podcast. And also Esther, which I've realized yeah. I also need in my life. And I didn't have room for either. But fortunately, that, that nursery is very close to where I live. So I think I'll be popping there soon to add them to my garden. Absolutely. They're two very good plants. Um, do you know what we've, really, we've nearly run out of time but if if we can I've dropped my notebook but if we can let's fit in one question before we have to wind up our talking dirty this week um, Jean has been watching some of the tutorials on the Get Gardening channel if you're listening to the audio podcast do head over to uh, the YouTube channel where you just pop Get Gardening into the YouTube search bar and there are so many tutorials and plant profiles and plant appreciation uh, kind of hundreds of these videos that we've made over the past five or six years. And Jean had watched your Clematis cuttings video, Alan, which yeah. um, she described as a true masterclass, having basically <laughs> never had any luck trying to take Clematis cuttings in her life. She's had quite a lot of success, but she's wondering now, does she leave her five or so cuttings in the same pot through the winter or should she pot them up individually now? I think at this late juncture, I mean, nearly to the middle of September, I would leave them in the pot throughout the winter and I would pot them individually next spring. And if she does it in the first half of March, if she could do it in the first half of March, especially if the weather's mild or if she's got a cold greenhouse, even better. Um, and if she, if she divides them up individually and pots them into a nice gritty compost, um, clematis have deep roots. So I, the one little tip I would add is that she 
put them into a long tom, which is a deep flower pot. Nobody can find quite why they're called long toms, but I'd like to meet Tom to find out why. Anyway, <laughs> plant them into long toms. Um, and then if she grows them on steadily, they'll be ready for planting in the garden by the end of June. Oh, more success. More success. <laughs> That's what this program's about. If you would like to ask a question, really easy, you can comment on uh, in the YouTube comment section uh, underneath one of our podcasts, or you can email hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. You can even attach a photo, uh, which will help Alan and the experts really get to the bottom of your planting problem, uh, your your identification, whatever it might be. And with that, I think we're probably going to have to wind up another edition of Talking Dirty. What are you planning in the garden over the next week or so, Margaret? Um, I think I'm going to pull a lot of things out and start again. <laughs> I've got a I've got a cool border which I'm thinking time to sort of fiddle around, you know. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. I think it needs to be sorted for autumn. So um yeah. Well some. it's a great time for it. I'm thinking exactly the same thing, Alan. Uh, well yeah, I mean, you know, you overhaul, you take out, you replace. It's a great time of the year for puddling in, which is something that I do quite a lot of. We grow rows of, of plants like Michaelmas daisies outside in an, in an area, maybe like the vegetable garden or something like that. The day before we want to move them, we water them heavily. Then we dig them up and we plant them into a hole. We backfill the hole with soil, but we don't firm it in, firm the soil in. We puddle it in. So you put a two gallon watering can, fill it full and just puddle around the plant. That ensures that the plant's roots are in contact with the soil. And if you do it quickly and judiciously and you can arrange to do it on a dull day, the plant won't even notice. Well, there you go. Tip of the week to finish things Indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Margaret, so much for coming to join oh. us for a spot of dirty talk. It's been lovely. <laughs> Happy Absolutely lovely. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye, bye, everybody. Hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person... We don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. Hey.